Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Into the Fire. How's it going, man? Good, good, really good. Good. Yeah. Huh? Glad, glad to be here. It's uh, yeah. holiday Monday. I think a lot of people are uh, sitting is. at home and uh, getting ready for uh, their big turkey dinner today. Yeah. Well, in Canada, of course. But Yeah, I uh, can't believe you dragged me out of bed to do this. I know. What a jerk. Hey, yeah. unbelievable. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, this is, uh, again, if you're new to the show, Into the Fire, where every single week we talk about hot topics. And all we're trying to do is just try to clear the smoke to find some clarity. And uh, today... We're going to be talking about a hot topic that uh, I think maybe a lot of companies deal with, maybe buys and deals with. We'll talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about that, but interdepartmental conflict. And interdepartmental conflict is something that I don't think any organization is immune from, but there's different perspectives on it that I've gained when talking to you. Interdepartmental conflict. First off, let me ask, like, does Bison have that? Well, you know what, Ryan? I, I'm going to stop you before we even get into the whole show today. Yeah, sure. I want to take a minute because we've had some pretty um, rough weather out here for the last number mm. of days, and people have been out of, of power all over the province. And you know, to to share with people a little bit, my grandma's still uh, today's her 93rd birthday, and she spent the last four days without electricity at her place. Now, fortunately, I have a very very large family and. She hasn't been without a place to stay, and mm. we've taken good care of her, of course. But uh, yesterday, she was back at her house, and you know we had the generators going, power, or, you know, running some backup power for her and helping her out. Mm-hmm. But the hydro people finally got out there after four days of no power wow. and helped her out. And and I, I'm not complaining. This is a shout out to hydro. I want to be clear about that. But when they did all the work that they had had to do, and the number of hours that those men and women are doing, because it's not just the guys on the poles. Mm-hmm. I know there are uh, people, you know, the, the ladies are in coordinating things in their offices. There's a full team. Full team getting this done. But when they got the power back on, the guys popped into my grandma's house and made sure, number one, that she was okay. And number two, that the power was on and everything was working fine. That's cool. And when we talk about service and business, right? And I talk about the big corporations. I talk about small but when I talk about service and how that builds, man, those guys knocked it out of the park. Because I can't imagine the wow. exhaustion that they're feeling after this many days, and this is still going, mm-hmm. and how much work they still have to do, how much work they've done. But they took that minute to pop in and make sure that someone was secure in their house mm-hmm. and that the power was actually on in the house when they knew it was working at the pole. So. You know, good on everyone at Hydro who is working really hard to get an entire province through a very difficult time. Yeah, no kidding. Good job. It's been uh, it's been wild. I um, was going to see a client who uh, lives off of Wellington Crescent yesterday, and my goodness, the amount of trees that have mm-hmm. fallen in, in that area, in any area that has big trees. Um, actually, I was driving down Jubilee yesterday, mm-hmm. and on Jubilee, uh, one of the trees actually cracked at the trunk. Oh, no. Yeah, it's incredible. I can't remember the last time we had a storm that was this bad. Yeah, no, it's pretty bad. I'm thinking back to for myself, and I might date myself a little bit, but uh, October of 86 when we got a really big blizzard, and uh, wow. I remember running my snowmobile all over town, up and down Portage in Maine. It was great fun because there was no traffic <laughs> moving. The cars weren't going anywhere. So That's crazy. So me and my buddies ripping around, and they all, you know, no they, we had a great time with that. Well, but I, mean, uh, I wasn't even born yet, so I don't even know what that was like. <laughs> oh, I know. Millennial. <laughs> What a jerk, eh? Yeah. Well, that's a great shout out. And again, um, it's just a good good sign of good service and people who care. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I love that. And uh, what, a, what a tough time it's been. But again, quick shout out to Manitoba Hydro. Yeah. And I'm glad you took the just a moment just to thank them. Yeah, absolutely. Doing great work. Yeah, I say like the, the, the men and women that are busting their butts out there right now. 
again, keep doing a great job, everybody. Absolutely. Very much appreciated. Absolutely. So back to my question about interdepartmental conflict, which is kind of that hot topic that we're talking mm-hmm. about today. Um, do you experience interdepartmental conflict within Bison? Well, you know what, Ryan? I'm, I'm, you know, that's kind of one of those answers that yes and no. Now, because there's two types of conflict, right? And we've talked about this in, in previous shows. There's the conflict that's not good, where people are butting heads and, you know, they're not talking to each other. They're just not sharing anything. Uh, and the reason for that is a lack of trust, a lack of why, a lack of commitment to the company or, or to each other. And that's the bad conflict. Mm, yeah. But what I think what you're getting at here is the good conflict. That's where we're, we're pushing each other to be better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, have we had both? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm not going to beat around the bush. Of course we've had both. Uh, Have we learned to be better? Yeah. And that's taken a lot of work to learn to be better. Mm -hmm. But, you know, good conflict is, and and I, honest to God, talked about this last Tuesday in in one of our uh, sales meetings, uh, how important it is to have the sales team tied with operations, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like together. Because if they're not, you know, sales can be out there selling their tails off. And if operations isn't prepared to be able to execute all that work, what a waste and how, how does that make sales look you know and at the same time you know you've always seen and i don't care what business it is companies that pit these groups against each other in a bad way and everyone laughs at the sales team and goes oh all they do is lunches and they're hanging around the office joking and golfing and whatever else they do and salespeople don't do anything mm-hmm. well that's not true either because i mean if sales is knocking it out of the park and i've said this around here so many times sales is like the thermometer of the company when they're hot everyone's working yeah and when everyone's working everyone's happy and you're excited right. but as soon as sales comes off of their game mm-hmm. the thermometer drops mm-hmm. and people are dragging their knuckles uh they're, they're not as happy as they were because right. there's not as much work they're getting a little nervous what are we doing oh you know you have to send somebody home yeah but that's how important them working together is absolutely and that doesn't mean they don't challenge each other Mm -hmm. right you know what we've just uh, we've sold this great big job and i need you guys to get it in and i need you to impress the customer and i need you to do this but that's not just sales and operations that's Mm -hmm. every department you know what when we've got everything done it's up to our admin people Mm -hmm. to make sure that they get the billings out in time that we pass everything through the system to the best of our ability you know, so the challenges are, you know, in so many areas and the opportunity for conflict to say, we need to do this better. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the perspective shift because you will notice that no company is, is free of conflict, good conflict or bad conflict. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times it comes down to communication, and understanding one another. Right. It comes down to kind of getting rid of our ego. So, for mm-hmm. example, you, I experienced a lot of that um, within marketing and sales. Sales always believes that, oh, marketing is just... That organization that just, they have fun. They do creative stuff. They do fun stuff. Sales, we do the real work. Mm -hmm. I've been on both sides of the equation and know that both are absolutely integral to growing a business. Right. The biggest challenge was in understanding the value that both of them bring to the organization. Mm -hmm. So a big piece of it is just seek first to understand than to be understood, right? A little Coveyism. Yeah. Understand what your, your what your marketing team is doing. Understand what the sales team is doing. Understand what operations is doing in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I almost chuckle a little bit as you're saying that because how many people and how many companies are out there that think that marketing and sales are the same thing, mm-hmm. right? And they mm-hmm. absolutely aren't. And you're right. One has right. to be challenging the other, and yet they have to be aligned. Like if what we're doing in marketing isn't lining up with what they're trying to do in sales, 
why are we doing it? Exactly. You know, and we need to have the conflict, good conflict, as I say it, uh, of sales coming back saying, you know what? Don't go there. We're not ready for that yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a great idea. Let's work on it in six months or let's start building a campaign for it in the mm-hmm. future. Yeah. But we need to be working on something that works right, right now and and as well as that future vision of where we want to go. That's right. So how do you facilitate good conflict then? Because I think for the most part, this is something that we talk about on the show because it's something that you believe in, mm-hmm. something that you, you want to incorporate into the bison culture, this comfort with conflict, being comfortable with conflict because we come from a base of trust. So organizations that are out there right now, they're saying, well, my company, we have a lot of conflict right now, but it's not a good conflict, Rob. Mm-hmm. Like it's bad mm-hmm. conflict, you know, and the fact that it's creating those water cooler conversations, creating a clear divide. Mm-hmm. If you saw that happening in Bison, where all of a sudden you saw the team sort of split and now it's just like, oh, it's marketing versus sales or oh, it's operations versus sales now. What would you do? Well, you know, first for the first things we uh, sit down with the management team. Am I the only one seeing this? Right. Uh, right. Let's get the team together. Let's rally them around. Okay. If this is truly what's going on, why? Let's get to the root cause. Mm. Let's not work with symptoms. Let's get to the root cause of what's going on. And then from there, maybe it breaks down to one-on-one conversations. Is someone not happy? You know, okay. You're not happy. Now let's get down to the why. Mm. Why aren't you happy? Do you understand why we're doing this? Why are we going forward with this? Mm. If they don't understand the why... There's no way they can buy into what you're doing. That's right. You know, uh, and it's interesting that even as we've gone through some some reorganization within the company ourselves, a lot of times, and especially on the admin side of things, when we're trying to push new admin processes through, we understand that something will get to this part, and then that person says, well, I'll do all my stuff, and it'll be nice and clear and smooth, not realizing that they have just screwed up the next person down the line. Because they didn't understand the why. They didn't understand the end goal of what we're doing. Mm. So whether it's sales, admin, operations, every piece mm-hmm. has to understand. They have to be exp- you know, told the why we're doing something. You know, yeah. uh, you, know I, you ask your kids, uh, go shovel the driveway. And then they look at you <laughs> and they go, well, why? Because I can't get the car in the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I love it. But, but you know, at the end of the day, if you're not explaining why, and I don't care whether it's at home, whether it's at work, yeah. people aren't going to buy into what you're doing. So when you have that problem that you bring up there, that things are starting to fragment, mm-hmm. you haven't communicated well to your, your team, mm-hmm. and that's on me or the management team. Absolutely. So, again, that comes back to trust and commitment communication. Absolutely, absolutely. Very important parts of your business. I love the uh, little shout-out to Tanya over there, hey? We, we we felt a little lonely. We didn't have anybody in the office, so yeah. you had to bring Tanya in. Yeah. Tanya, <laughs> Rob's daughter, obviously. You know, you've seen her in some of the uh, some of the photos on uh, LinkedIn or Instagram, and uh, and she's a star, baby. She's a star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's funny. One one of the things that I always, I always love to pull back from is – how there is no secret to solving problems. It just comes down to hard work, but it comes Mm -hmm. down to the awareness. Mm -hmm. So how do you as a CEO stay aware of what's going on in the company? You can't do it yourself. No. Because you're you're busy and you have your hands in a whole bunch of other pies trying to solve problems. So how do you ensure that you're always tuned into the culture and that you're understanding like, uh uh-oh, there's a little bit of conflict here and I can, my spidey senses are tingling. Mm-hmm. How do you stay plugged in like that all the time when you're so busy? Well, I'm going to tell you, you spend time. Uh, first off, we have weekly management meetings where we talk about a number of different things and we're able to go back and forth. And that, But that's once a week. Once a week isn't 
enough. Mm-hmm. What you got to do is get out of the office, get out of your chair, go walk around, see your people, right? Have conversations. How's mm-hmm. it going? I've talked about this in, in past shows as that's well. Right. Yeah, that's true. You, you got to talk to people. You have to find out what's going on. You have to engage your management team. How's that going? How's, how's Jimmy doing today? How's mm-hmm. Billy doing today? How's Sally doing today? How's Tanya doing today? You know, make mm-hmm. sure that all those people, you know, go kind of through a list. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, you know, Jimmy's a little off. Oh, how come? Mm. Oh, you know what? Maybe Jimmy's having a problem outside of work. Mm. Well, let's help him through it. Interesting. You know what I mean? Because nothing builds trust and team loyalty, like understanding and having the empathy mm. to work with your people and support them when they're having bad times because we're all people. That's well, right. We're all going to have challenges outside of work. Of course. I actually think that there's two character traits that perhaps... A CEO, a leader, a manager needs to have in order to recognize conflict, solve conflict, and help one another through it. And that's uh, something that that I've really learned from you, which is empathy, number one. You want Mm -hmm. to have empathy. Seek first to understand and to be understood. You don't want to necessarily um, push your opinion on someone you want to understand. And Mm -hmm. the second one is curiosity. Mm -hmm. Everything you just said there was Mm curiosity-based. You asked a lot of questions. You got out of your office. Like, how's Jimmy doing? How's Sam doing? How's Tanya doing? You know, how are these people doing? Right. And, and, oh, I'm not doing well. Oh, well, why, why isn't this person doing well? Or they're doing great. Great. Why are they doing great? Mm-hmm. Asking questions and being curious is mm-hmm. so important as a leader, as a manager. So I think that's an important takeaway that maybe it's kind of underlying and maybe you, you didn't realize. But mm-hmm. empathy and curiosity, man, I think those are two very important character traits that we need to continue to exploit in our leaders and in our managers. Be curious. Ask well, questions. You know what, Ryan? And, and you touch on something really important there. I mean, the be curious thing, asking the questions. How do you learn how do you grow if you don't ask the questions? Mm. How do you become a better individual if you don't ask the questions? That's right. Right? Get to know people. I mean, I, and I've shared all kinds of stories about how, uh, you know, I, I, the coffee trips that I'm now doing with my staff on a regular basis and, and trying to get out. But, you know, we don't, I can't do that with everybody all in a week. That, that, that takes time. So through the day... Still, damn flies again. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, no, do not land on his nose again. We can't do this again. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, we could do it again. I love yeah, it. Yeah, what's funny. going on? Yeah. <laughs> I was a little small. Showering. I don't know if you're going to catch that one. But. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, spending the time, even in the office here, because mm. you can't manage from your chair. That's right. You can't, you know, give a vision. You can't lead if you're locked in your office, if you're locked up in the ivory tower, as they say. That's you true. know, you got to get out and. You can't have a monologue with people. You have to have a dialogue. It's got to be two ways. It can't be a one-way street. If you're uh, preaching to your people or dictating to your people, they're not going to buy into what you're doing. Oh, yeah. They got to be part of the decision. That's right. They got to be part of where you're going and why you're going there. You got to imagine people respect. I know that I did uh, when I was an employee. I respected the CEO that kind of got their hands dirty. Mm-hmm. You know when when. Um, when they would come down on the ground floor and they would work with us or they would take an interest in what we were doing, it wasn't micromanaging. I didn't mm-hmm. look at it as in like, oh, busy body, always trying to get involved somehow. No, because you could really tell they cared. Right? Mm-hmm. They cared. What are you working on? How's it going? Great. How can I help? Mm-hmm. I like, oh, cool question. How can yeah. I help? Yeah. They, they were interested in, in making sure that their business mm-hmm. ran well. Yeah. I love that. I've often said that some of the best help I can give 
is getting the hell out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's you know? true, too. How can I help? Get out. All right, then. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah, uh, yeah. done. <laughs> hey, man, again, that comes down to, to getting rid of your ego, I think, mm -hmm. as well, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to to separate yourself from your ego and, you know, wanting to help. And that's, yeah. that's one thing, too. It's nice yeah. to, to be the, the leader who goes in and helps, but it's also important to know when to step back and allow your people mm -hmm. to do their own job, which comes down to, again, trust. trust. 100%. It's exactly. trust. You know, and the other thing, too, is you've made yourself approachable. So when they do need that help, they're not mm. afraid to come ask. That's right. You know, because they know they're not going to get yelled at. They're not going to be condescendingly uh, spoken to. That's right. Right? That, uh, you know, when they truly come with a problem, well, let's, let's figure it out. Let's work it out together, and we'll, we'll get you back on track. Mm -hmm. But if I'm in there every couple minutes saying, how are you doing this, or why are you doing that? First off, I'm doing your job for you. Mm. So if we're both doing the same job, yeah. right, I don't need one of us. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure I'm not firing me. Yeah. No, that's exactly you know? right. How, how, how tough is that though, right? Because I, I see us sharing different things that we've noticed and, you know, saying, ask questions, be curious. But it's such a fine line, right? Where somebody's mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, I'm going to go ask questions and be curious now. And mm -hmm. they start asking questions, but they could annoy their people because mm -hmm. they're asking too many questions. You know, they're trying to get themselves too involved. Um, it really takes a high level of self-awareness as mm -hmm. a leader as well. Yeah. To really recognize inter interdepartmental conflict, recognize what you can and can't do, recognize what you need your team to do. This is a really tough job, man. It can be. <laughs> it really can. And, and you, know, uh, you know, I was thinking about this the other day and how important it is when you've brought a supervisor or manager into a position, you know, to backfill yourself because, you, you know, the company's grown. You've moved up a stage. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got more people to manage and more things to do. But you've got that area of expertise. Mm -hmm. And you've put a new manager in play. Mm -hmm. And that manager now, they're working hard at it. There's two things that need to happen. One, I need to be able to fire myself from that past job, mm. right? I got to be able to walk away and say, here you go. Now, I know that new manager is going to be going through a few different emotions of their own because they're going, oh, I've got this job. And, and you know, sometimes the fear, right? Yeah. Can I do it as well? Yeah. And they have to be able to fire themselves from their previous job. And the toughest thing that I've observed over the years is people making that transition from mm. say technician to supervisor mm. and they got to get out of that technician mentality yeah. and they got to start getting themselves into a supervisor mentality absolutely and then the next transition from supervisor into manager mm -hmm. where you know now you're looking at numbers and now you're looking at driving the department now you're not you know helping the guys in the field with the technical stuff anymore you're you're making that next thing and and that next jump of course but you have to be able to fire yourself from your past position mm -hmm. and embrace the new position because that's so important to be able to embrace that. Mm -hmm. And that's where, again, when they trust you as a senior leader to come in your office, sometimes just sit down and go, God, I'm having one of those days. Oh, what's going on? Yeah, no kidding. What's going on? And if they trust you because they know you haven't been micromanaging them, you've allowed them to do their jobs, you've allowed them to go through the steps they need to, mm -hmm. that builds a constructive conversation. That's right. As we finish up here, what are some resources that you might push to the community um, to help them understand how to deal with uh, interdepartmental conflict a little bit easier? What, what, what would you recommend to them if they want to learn more? If you want to learn more about that, I'm going to say uh, one of the, the books that I've read, and I know there's a lot of people out there that aren't big readers, but uh, Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team, mm, right? That's a great big reading. one. And it's interesting that what we're doing with that one right now is I read it and I mm -hmm. got a lot from it. And I know you've read it as mm -hmm. well. 
but one of our other senior managers read it. And then we put a challenge out. And it's gone from every manager in the building. When one finishes it, he has to uh, then talk about what his takeaways were from that yeah. particular book, yeah. why it's so important, and then it goes to the next guy. It's so important. And then off to the next lady, and then from there, and, and so on. And we're going all the way through our management team so that two things are happening. One, they understand what I'm reading and why. They understand how important some of this stuff is that I'm not just mm-hmm. talking about trust in a meeting just because. Mm-hmm. And they've actually seen the changes with our team. Yeah what the difference has been in the last, because I started this last December. So 10 months ago, December, I, you know, well, back yeah. this, you know, so it adds up. It adds yeah, up. I started doing this stuff, uh, you know, like I say, almost a year ago yeah. now. And what a difference, because this team knows each other. Uh, you yes. know, they've gotten to trust each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can have the good conflict. They're speaking a similar language now. Well, yeah. Yeah, I, exactly. I love that. That pulls them together. That's huge. And, That's and, huge, yeah. And I've got guys that historically don't read reading a good book that, mm. that helps build our business, helps build them as managers. Because again, I've talked about this before. I can talk about this till the end of time, but the next level down, you need to be able to understand it and move it forward yeah. so that they can take it to their next level down yeah. and move it through so that the entire company is thinking the same way. I love that, man. I yeah. really do. Uh, I think that that's such a great takeaway in that any books that you're reading, mm-hmm. that you are finding valuable, that you want to have a positive impact on the culture, you need to not just do that yourself and hold that in your in 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 in, in your Chrome Dome and keep it there. Yeah. You got to let that out and, mm-hmm. and don't just allow yourself to explain it. Share the book. Ask everyone else and tell mm-hmm. them like this is a book that I read that is really important to our culture. You know, I want you to read this as well. But mm-hmm. again, have a conversation about it. Have a discussion about it. And Five Dysfunctions of a Team is a fantastic book. I think from a cultural perspective, I think if you're trying to develop a, a culture based on trust, which we all do, who doesn't? If mm-hmm. you don't, then why are you watching this show? Don't watch yeah. the show, you know? But um, mm-hmm. we, we all believe in building cultures, uh, corporate cultures based in trust. We want to create healthy conflict. We want to be able to build commitment, accountability. That's how we get results. Yeah. Um, and so when you look at that book, I think it's a great recommendation. Well, you know, the other nice part of that, Ryan, is at that point, I've tried to explain the why. They start reading the book and they go, ah, get it now. Got it. I 100% got where he's going, why he's going there. Mm-hmm. And so they understand the exercises that we're doing in every meeting. Totally. And and when they look around the room and the way this team is playing together, they sit back and go, okay, this 100% makes sense to us now. Yeah, love it, man. Yeah. Love it. Great discussion, man. Yeah. Great discussion. That's this week's episode of Into the Fire with... Uh, my man, my good friend, Rob Reed. And uh, we will catch you back here next. Oh, well, of course, Rob Reed and Tanya, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll catch you back here next week. Uh, next week's, uh, next week. Oh, I'm stumbling on my own words here. Okay. Do you want me to try? You try it this time. Okay, we'll see you next week on Into the Fire. Thank you. <laughs> I love it.